Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and I'm recording mobile today. I am in New York City, ready for an event tomorrow, the DTC Expert Summit at the Shopify New York headquarters. I'll be talking about, obviously, pixels and tracking and meeting uh, some customers and hopefully, hopefully some new folks. So bear with the sound if it's a little bit different this week. But I have everyone's favorite topic, it seems, this week with the announcement of the one-page checkout and general availability for all Shopify stores. I'll be getting into what that means, some of the data that we've been seeing over the last couple of months since this has come out. Before I get into that, we are two weeks away, probably when you listen to this, a week away from the Elevar Summit. It's October 10th in Charleston, South Carolina. It's going to be amazing. We've been jamming out on all these sessions, which are going to be very similar to this podcast. So chances are, if you enjoy this podcast, you're going to love the summit because it's going to be visual. There's going to be frameworks. There'll be processes we'll be walking you through in each of the sessions. So I'm very, very excited for that and obviously grateful to meet anyone who is able to join us. If you can't meet us in Charleston, we are planning on live streaming it as well. It'll be live streaming from our YouTube channel. But if you come to Charleston, I know there's a couple events on Monday night. Shopify and Sparky are having an event. Ash and Ron from Chew on This, there's, they're hosting a DTC Founders and Operators Dinner on Monday night. And then Tuesday night after the event, we have a Sunset Boat Cruise. So very uh, very pumped for that coming up soon. All right, so one-page checkout. What, what does this mean? If you aren't familiar with the one-page checkout or single-page checkout, essentially it is when you click Proceed to Checkout from your mini cart or from your cart page, you are taken to a checkout page that has all of these steps exposed. It has your contact information, shipping information, payment information. It has all of those steps on one page versus what you are used to in the past where it's you complete your contact info, you click a button to proceed, and then there's a page load. So you don't have those page loads that are happening on every single step. So going back many years to my time in Magento, that was always one of the... It was we A/B tested this all the time. I, I mean, it had to have been close to a hundred times, it seems. But we would A/B test the native uh, Magento checkout versus I think it was one step checkout was the main checkout back in the day. And I think from Anada, he had a gosh, I'm not going to remember it. He had a he had a one page checkout in the Magento world as well. But anyways, so the A/B test that checkout back then, I can tell you that the general sentiment was hey. One page checkout is going to always win. It's, it's better than the native Magento checkout. And we would A-B test it. And it definitely wasn't always the case where the one-step checkout beat the native Magento checkout. That was years ago. It doesn't mean that exists today. It's interesting seeing a bunch of the comments uh, just through LinkedIn, primarily LinkedIn where I've seen it. And just the general question of people who've tested it, haven't seen conversion rate going up, uh, go up versus the old checkout. I don't think it's better. And I can just tell you from living from our point of view, by the way, I've also been sick for two weeks. That's why if you hear me uh, like coughing or clearing my throat, kids went back to school, probably got something turned into a sinus infection. So uh, might be a little bit more nasally than normal. But anyways, we've seen people talk about the conversion rate not increasing. And 
I can tell you from our seats and our purview or, or access to just we hyper focus on data collection and stats and everything that we see, we see that the checkout is being tested regularly. And we can see that through different whether it's thank you pages or different checkout pages. We know that Shopify is continuing to test and tweak and just improve. And Shopify makes money when you make money. So I can I would place a very large wager that they certainly did not see this new checkout underperform compared to the old checkout. So take that for what it's worth. I think maybe it's it's a little bit of the sentiment of wanting to be right or a contrarian it might be a little, a little bit of that psychology playing into it. Doesn't matter. We're at that point now where we have the one-step checkout, which in order to utilize that and put that into play, you do need to be on checkout extensibility. So it's upgrading to checkout ex- extensibility for Shopify Plus stores, which means no checkout.liquid and all those customizations and whether it's tracking or features and more internationalization, all of that needs to be migrated over to checkout extensibility as well. So the I would say we're still seeing, I'm surprised that there are as many uh, brands that are pushing that out to next year. So pushing that checkout upgrade to 2024. But there's always a lot of priorities going on. And uh, sometimes maybe just wait, not wanting to be first or even second, third, fourth, fifth to move to new checkout just to wait for some of the new upgrades and improvements that Shopify continues to roll out with checkout extensibility. Any case, so getting into if you're non-plus, you're likely already on the one page checkout. Or if you're a plus store, you're likely going to be upgrading to this soon, if not already. So how does tracking work in this? Let's start with a native. So if you're just using the native Google channel and you have GA4 configured through that uh, that channel setting, here's how your tracking is going to work. You click proceed to checkout from your mini cart or the cart page and a checkout page loads. Again, that has all the steps. That is when the begin checkout event triggers. So you'll see that on the checkout page load. That is when you'll see that particular event, the begin checkout event in your GA4 data. At that point, the next event that triggers is the add payment info event. But this event triggers when you click complete order. So you've gone through, you've added your shipping address, you've selected your shipping method, entered payment method. And then when you click complete order, that is when the add payment info triggers. It actually doesn't, it doesn't trigger on the button click per se. But when you click that complete order, there is that intermediary page, which is the processing page. You've probably seen this in your page view reports where you'll have the uh, order processing is in the order title or the URL. And that is when that add, add payment info event triggers. Typically, the only time that that doesn't go through, is typically a failure, so a credit card failure. So if there's some sort of failure where it sends the user back to checkout, maybe inventory change and you're out of stock, that's Again, you might actually get the inventory error page, but it's pretty rare that you're, it's not like it's a 60% completion rate between hitting that processing page view and then being redirected to the checkout, which brings me to the thank you page. So when someone reaches that thank you page, so they go through the three steps in the checkout, they click complete order, they hit that processing page view, and then they're redirected to the thank you page. That is when the purchase event triggers. This is again, the native Google channel. If you have post-purchase upsells, then that purchase event does not trigger. So if you click, the button changes. So it's complete order. So we rewind back to the the one-step checkout. You click complete order, and then you're being sent to the post-purchase upsell page. At that point, the complete order does not trigger there. That'll only trigger 
if someone makes it to the final thank you page, if somebody exits from there, you're not going to get that order. You won't get that order sent to GA4 in this native channel. So that's how tracking works here in the native Google channel for your GA4 events. Now let's talk through the Shopify WebPixel. So the WebPixel and WebPixel API, it came out technically, I think, dev mode last year. It's certainly been picking up more steam this year. Elevar integrates with it. Um, and that's part of how Elevar integrates and uses the WebPixel to make our checkout tracking whole for checkout extensibility uh, and a bunch of other stuff. But in general, the WebPixel has been great for us and has allowed us to support many of our customers that do want to move to checkout extensibility without losing their tracking. So the WebPixel is there are custom customer events that will trigger through different parts of the checkout. So I'm just going to go through these page loads. So again, you are on the mini car or the car page. You click, click proceed to checkout. The checkout page loads. At that point, the checkout started event and the page viewed event are trigger. Nothing that's pretty normal, nothing out of the ordinary. When somebody enters their email, so that first step of checkout where it's enter your email address, then the checkout contact info submitted event triggers. We continue the shipping address. So when someone completes, when a customer completes their shipping address, the checkout address info submitted event triggers. When somebody clicks into the credit card field, so when it becomes active or there's focus on the credit card field, then the checkout shipping info submitted. So I know it might be hard to visualize it, but when you enter your shipping address and you get the autocomplete to select your address, that's when your shipping methods will refresh or show. You select your shipping method, and then you click into the credit card field. At that point, it's somewhat of an inferred selection. So you click in the credit card field, the checkout shipping info submitted, that event then triggers. You then move on to the click submit payment or complete your order. That functions the same way that I just talked about with the native GA4 tracking. That is when the payment info submitted event triggers. And then you have, again, not technically, just so any of the uh, literal listeners, it's not on a button click. It is based on that processing page. And it's just an, it's an event that's coming from, from the WebPixel API anyways. They're not listening for a DOM like on a button click. Then you have the order status page load, which is the final thank you page where you have the checkout completed and then the page viewed event. So that is the order status page load, the thank you page. Now, any apps that you are using like an Elevar or others, they're going to handle this for you. But if you are building your own WebPixel through the custom WebPixel manager, you'll want to be sure to follow these steps. Go through and test yourself. Uh, test you know, strict versus lax mode, depending on what type of pixel that you're building in there, because there will be just nuances that you'll you'll just need to keep in mind. And this gets us into the world of, is the custom pixel manager or the, an app better for your tracking? I'm not going to go down that path, but just keep in mind, like go through these steps for yourself because th this is the way it exists today, but it's subject to change because uh, these these may change over time. Also with your upsells, so post-purchase upsells for the web pixel, be sure to test that as well and just make sure that you're handling when you want to send that chat, that purchase event. So do you want to send that purchase event on that post-purchase page or wait until the final thank you page? Now, webhooks. So webhooks are what Elevar uses in combination with the WebPixel for our checkout tracking. This one is, it's a little, I'd say it's a little bit easier to, to follow. It doesn't, it's not quite as nuanced as the WebPixel API. For example, the email input 
for the checkout contact info submitted. There isn't a granular webhook for that. So we'll restart. We'll go back to the beginning. Checkout page loads. So anytime someone enters a checkout, there is a uh, checkout create. So checkout create is what we consider begin checkout. And there's also a checkout update webhook that'll fire then as well. But in general, checkout create is what we're looking for. When we continue down the page, so just calling out, like scrolling up and down the page doesn't do anything for the webhook or webpixel or the GA4. So let me just squash that one. So just, just if you scroll all the way down and click into another section, it's not going to automatically fire the events above if you have not completed. When you enter the email into your step one or customer enters the email in the step one, we will get an update for uh, that particular webhook. When a customer goes through and completes the address selection, so check out their shipping information is going to be first. That also is going to trigger another webhook. If we were to reload the page, then we are going to receive all of those webhooks again. If you are selecting save that address for future info, that is not going to trigger a webhook. So let's just, you know, let me get down to the submit payment here section next as I'm reading my notes. So going down to the submit payment functions very similar when we submit payment or complete order that is when we're getting essentially the that payment info step submitted and then we have the customer creation order creation etc so really the only the couple differences here within the the webhooks again this might be too much in the weeds for for some of you listening but there are various steps within the checkout whether it's webhooks whether it's the webpixel or even what the GA4 channel is doing there are some nuances here that does require some logic because if we start breaking down the different payment types, so everything I just went through is the happy path. So think credit card or shop pay. If we go down the non-happy path of, okay, Amazon pay, shop pay, as I mentioned, Google pay, Apple pay, meta pay, there's others. These can all function a little bit differently. For example, PayPal, when you, if a customer selects PayPal, they go enter their PayPal information, PayPal sends you back to checkout and you land on the shipping page. So you have your payment method set as PayPal, but you're back at the shipping step. So this is where for the last probably two, three, four years, I've been a big proponent of don't assume checkout is linear because you have people are coming in through a cart emails. Maybe they already had their first step completed. So they're landing on a shipping or payment step. You have uh, alternate payment types and some of the accelerated checkouts are happening on product pages or cart pages. So the linear checkout is is really gone in terms of analysis, I mean, unless you're backfilling. So anyway, so yeah, PayPal sends you back to the shipping page. And also Amazon Pay sends you back to the shipping page. Uh, shop Pay is obviously all off-site. It's on the Shop app. However, with Shop Pay, we do get webhooks from steps that are taken. Google Pay, that shipping and payment all happens through the pay.google. So we get check, uh, we do get checkout updates with Google. But again, there's differences when we look at what data is available on a Google Pay versus an Apple Pay versus an Amazon Pay versus a PayPal Pay. So all of these nuances from a from an LVAR perspective, if you're an LVAR customer, we handle this logic for you if you are using our full server-side tracking for all checkout events. So it's not like you don't need to go through and worry about configuring anything. We've gone through all of this testing, validation, and making sure that we know through which payment method, what steps that they're going through and what's Again, how to handle PayPal versus ShopPay, just to keep it simple. Because that is actually still a common question that we get from folks of, hey, we use you know, 40% of our payments are on ShopPay. How 
can you can you confirm that you're actually tracking that and you're tracking the attribution for that? Yes, we are. And yes, we're handling the the checkout events for all of those different uh, steps in the process or most of the steps. So that's the maybe the little technical jargon around tracking within the checkout for the one step checkout. Just because it's on one step, all intents and purposes, it really functions very similar to the multi-page checkout. But what does this mean in the CRO and data analysis world? So going back to the conversion rate combo of, hey, will this new checkout improve my conversion rate? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it improve conversion rates yet. Number one, if you are looking at the native GA4 report, which is called Checkout Journey, and you're using the native GA4 channel, that's going to be zero. It's going to be zero because there's no shipping step. So that is one downside. And unfortunately, that native report in the GA4 UI, you can't edit that report. It's a closed funnel. So closed funnel means they have to go through each step in that process in order for the, the funnel to populate. So you'll see step one of begin checkout, and it goes to zero for step two, which is add shipping info. Maybe they'll allow you to edit that in the future, but as of now, you can't edit that. So your options are to create a new report that excludes that step or just look at the purchase journey report, which really just looks at start checkout and finishes checkout. If you are an Elevar customer and you are using our server-side tracking for GA4 and all the checkout steps, then you will see those different events. You'll see the begin checkout, the shipping, and the payment. Now, the caveat here that I would add, actually, it's not a caveat, it's a reality, is that you, won't, you should not see a significant drop-off, especially the payment method to the checkout. And the reason for that is the payment method, so they've added their payment information, that's, that is that when they're clicking that button to complete order. So that that event does not get triggered when the credit card information gets shown in the window where it's, it's visible in the browser. That event is when, when that person's actually saying, yes, I'm, uh, I'm paying, I'm submit, complete my order. So you might get like, I don't know, 2%, 3%, 3% drop off. If you are using upsells, so depending on the upsell app you are using, some apps, I know Zipify does this with pre-purchase discounts. The order is actually created as a draft order. So there's a pre-purchase discount. So like if someone buys one product and they add the second one and a little pop-up before getting into checkout, they'll get 50% off a second item. That flow for again Zipify, I don't I don't know all of the different uh, upsell apps and how the functionalities off the top of my head, but I know they all can have different nuances and how orders are created and checkout. But just keep that in mind if you do have a post-purchase upsell and you see those orders coming as draft orders, and then they get converted into a real order. If your process looks like that, then all basically all of this tracking it w- won't work. So you'll see, you probably will see zero. If it's all client-side tracking, not server-side, you'll probably see close to zero conversions for at least anyone that's gone through the, the post-purchase upsell flow because all the orders would come in as draft orders. And when they get converted to a real order, in the LOR case, our attribution information will be copied over onto that converted order, but any of the Shopify stats around that order will be gone. I don't mean to pick on Zipfy here. It's Zipfy, Rebuy, Carthook. There's a bunch of them out there. Obviously, they all, they're making money, but this is one that just want to call us out because it is important to consider in your analysis of if you're using post-purchase upsells, especially going into Q4 holiday, is just make sure you look at your tracking for this. So when you're in that you know, mid-October um, or mid-November analysis that you're not wondering why all of you, potentially half of your purchase tracking is missing from GA4. So anyways, just double check, make, see how your post-purchase flows are set up. If you have any questions, just reach out and you are all of our customer, just reach out to us, let us know so we can help. But in general, 
recommendation if you're asking me what to do is A, use server-side tracking through the entire checkout process if possible, especially with all of the ways that orders are being placed now, again, including the post-purchase upsells or the shops. So your checkouts that are happening off-site is using server-side tracking. Those orders can be processed and sent to different marketing channels. But the other part is it removes a lot of this nuance, head-scratching, Essentially, people have dropped off this podcast after I was walking through the six different steps in the WebPixel setup, just thinking like, this is too much. I can't handle it. Can't, can't keep everything straight. Uh, moving to server-side tracking can, can just make this process a little bit easier and, and less cumbersome for setting up new pixels or, or new tracking. Or if you are more technical and, and a DIYer, then certainly uh, try out the Shopify WebPixel, uh, recreate some of these events through that entire funnel. So that is an overview on tracking within the new one-page checkout. Didn't get into too many nuances today on internationalization. Uh, not really a ton of change there that I'm aware of. It's just a, a different UI for the checkout and uh, obviously part of checkout extensibility where there's a host of other changes going on with internationalization. So if you have any questions on this new checkout or if you have any results that you want to share, let me know. And if you're wondering how can I see pre-post results or see results of the new checkout, that is going to be how you do it. You just have to look at pre and post. So I would look at your begin checkout event to purchase. So don't try to look at step by step. Just look at create a very basic funnel. You can look at begin checkout as step number one in a funnel in GA4 and then purchase completed is step number two. But pre versus post analysis in a time series is not the best because it's not an A-B test. If we're looking at October 1st to October 15th compared to September 16th to September 30th, it may look great because the second half of September has been pretty, I'd say, down or pretty terrible for some coming off of Labor Day spike where October may spike, may start to jump back up because of holiday spending. So you're going to have to keep some of those nuances in mind when you are analyzing. I would just focus on I wouldn't honestly, if it, if it were me, I wouldn't overanalyze like, is it better or worse? It is what it is. Uh, I would focus on, okay, where am I at today? So benchmark, give some time for the new checkout to benchmark for myself. So am I at 50%? Am I at 30%? Am I at 80%? Depending on where I am, where I am in this new checkout, I would benchmark there and then try to see where I, I can improve. Because if I'm in 30 to 40% or 20% from that, again, begin checkout to checkout completed, it's not, I'm not at 20% because it's a checkout issue. That is likely, it might be a bigger ticket item. So there's more time to research or more time to think about it, more time to research. Could be a myriad of other reasons that I would go go into to try to optimize against. So that's all I got today on the new one-step checkout from Shopify. If you're going to Summit, come hit me up. I'll be there all day, obviously, and uh, hanging out registration before the show gets started at 9.30 a.m. Until then, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. In order to help spread the word and just support the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on LinkedIn, send it to colleagues, or just send me feedback. I love reading feedback. I appreciate it. Many of the guests that have been on here, they've just emailed saying, hey, I'd love to join. Here's some topics. That could be you. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. My email is brad at getolivar.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, 
podcast and you want to give us a rating, I would appreciate that as well. You can rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this. But at the end of the day, if you could just share this and let others learn more about the world that you live in, the world that I live in with e-commerce and conversion tracking, I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.